0: You're listening to In The Know, a collection of career development insights and leadership experiences from INSEAD, the business school for the world. Welcome to Episode 7 of In The Know, and welcome to a new academic year. We have some exciting new initiatives for the podcast, and later in the program, I'll explain how our listeners can ask our upcoming guests career and leadership questions. In today's episode, we're going to discuss non-traditional business careers.
1: By non-traditional, it's not just work, but it's also... um Outside, So you may be working in a finance company or a multinational or in consulting, but you, you still have this unique um, achievements outside that makes you non-traditional background for us.
0: That was Virginie Fougier describing what non-traditional backgrounds means to the INSEAD admissions team. Virginie is the INSEAD Global Director of Admissions and Financial Aid and is responsible for admitting and retaining top talents from very diverse backgrounds to the INSEAD degree programs. We were also joined by a current MBA candidate, Isabel Wiener. Isabel's background and experience can be described as non-traditional and she discussed the benefits of diverse backgrounds and what it can bring team dynamics.
2: The amount of diversity that exists in our career backgrounds is really the driving force Um, making us challenge our assumptions and ask questions that we perhaps otherwise wouldn't have because, um, you know, not everyone is coming to the discussion with the same sort of given beliefs or understandings about a topic. So you really, um, you look at things in very different ways. And that, I think, is the whole benefit of being in this melting pot as you describe it.
0: So let's get in the know with Virginie Fusier and Isabel Wiener. Okay, welcome to episode seven. And at the same time, I guess, welcome to a new academic year for INSEAD, for I guess the Northern Hemisphere. The academic year is well and truly underway. We're a few weeks in busy time of year uh, for everyone and uh, new students on board and I guess uh, it's a great opportunity to, to introduce our two guests today. So we've got Isabel and Virginie with us and uh, rather than me talking about them, I guess the best thing to do is introduce themselves. So uh, let's start off with Isabel and tell us about yourself, Isabel, where have you come from, where are you uh, heading in life and, uh, you know, your career background? Sure. Thanks.
2: Um, so I am coming from New York. I was born and raised on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, in New York City. And I've spent most of my life there with the exception of going to school in Boston. And then I've had a few stints on and off in different parts of the Middle East and North Africa. So first in Israel, and then uh, later studying and working in Egypt and in Jordan and during all of those experiences, I was mostly working for nonprofit organizations that were uh, working with women and refugees who have survived instances of torture or violence throughout their lives. And later, I moved into human rights and social justice philanthropy, uh, working for open society foundations. And that's where I've been um, up until starting my MBA. So. Um, that's my past. And then going forward, I'm planning to pivot into an investing role uh, in the private sector for the first time in my life. So, wow. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, right. Very nice. And we can, we can talk about some of the decisions you've made and, and, and the reason for pivots and those sort of things. But uh, I guess we'll introduce Virginie. Uh, Virginie's joining us today. And thanks, thanks Virginie, for that. Uh, just Give us a little bit of background about yourself, and I'm sure people have heard you on other podcasts before, but it's uh, the first time you're you're joining us today.
1: Yes. Um, so My name is Virginie Fouja. I'm indeed the Global Director for Admissions and Financial Aid. And I have been with INSEAD for about twenty years, um, a bit more in different roles, so hopefully this postca- podcast today will be will be um, helpful in giving some um, insights from mm-hmm. from the admissions office. Yes, yeah, for sure. Originally I'm I'm from here, from Fontainebleau, believe oh, wow. it or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> A local. Yes, yeah. I'm, the first
1: I'm one I'm local. Yeah, <laughs> yeah local. <laughs> and um to be very honest, I was I was going to school, high school, just around the corner and wondering who these special animals were wow. at Seattle. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, we, we we could hear people speaking different languages, and we could see um, their cars. They had the, their plate where it was um, with uh, foreign numbers. Sure, uh, we could we could understand this, but then we didn't know what it was. And um, I moved abroad. I lived in the U.S. and I lived in Brazil, and um, and there I realized that in fact, INSEAD was known and i was it was better known by people outside of my country than by myself living right. in in the city yeah right so um obviously that brought some um interesting uh considerations and when i came back from brazil with uh with my family because i was by then married and with a daughter um, I ended up coming back to INSEAD and considering working in an int- international environment, which had been my career, sure. and applied for a position at INSEAD.
0: Nice. And and the positions over in the US and, and Brazil was it education focused as well or
1: primarily education. So sure. we um, my husband and I studied uh, in Boston mm-hmm. and um, and then we worked for he worked for the United Nations and I worked for the French Embassy nice. in Brazil um so that was since the beginning of my career i have been with uh, in roles where there were students involved and education involved since nice. the beginning
0: very nice and you raise a nice point there, uh, you know, for, for those people out there or the listeners out there that don't know Fontainebleau, you know, it's uh, it's south of Paris, uh, a little train journey, um, but it is a smaller town than Paris itself, of course. Um, but there's a definite Insead flavor. And uh, yeah, you walk through the town and you can't help hearing all the different accents and all the different uh, languages. Uh, and it's really a melting pot and, and uh, yeah, a, a really big influence on the town itself. So I, I guess moving on, uh, sort of, we've sort of covered what led you to this position, but, uh, you know, what are some of the key highlights of your career and, um, you know, what sort of brought the decision to, to, for Isabel in particular to, to do the MBA or to pursue the MBA?
2: Well, I guess there are two parts, the highlights, and then what got me sure. to make this wild decision. Um, so I guess the highlights, it's it's hard for me to talk about that without mentioning my parents. Um, I have four parents, uh, right. so uh, two biological parents, two step-parents, and sure. they're all coming from the arts world, so mm. the photography and photojournalism industries and uh, travel magazines. and. Wow. So, they traveled quite a bit, and when I was really originally interested in pursuing a human rights and refugee rights role in the Arabic-speaking world, my parents just said, you know, if you want to do that, you have to actually go do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, be most
0: in that environment, I guess. Yes, which
2: for me was a bit terrifying uh, (laughs) at the start, but... Each of those moves was highly stressful at the time, but when I look back on each of them, they're all certainly, um, I think, what I count as my career highlights to date. Mm -hmm. And I think each of them gave me um, a somewhat unique perspective and forced me to ask difficult questions early on, Mm -hmm. Um, and also ultimately led me to Open Society Foundations, which was truly... um, very serendipitous and lucky Um, and I landed that role while I was already in Jordan and was looking for a job and um, happened to meet the director of the Arab regional office there and had my dream job almost immediately out of university which was fantastic Um, and so that was a highlight and when I came back to New York um, having the chance to work directly with OSF leadership um, was just remarkable. Mm -hmm. And some of the most, I guess, strategic minds and people who are really on the pulse of the geopolitical dynamics that are shaping the world we live in. Mm -hmm. And at a young age, to actually have a seat at the table and be asked for my opinion Mm -hmm. um, was just, I guess, originally shocking, um, Mm -hmm. and then really quite amazing. So I would count that as a highlight and um, I could talk about OSF for hours. I <laughs> had a great experience there and I'm very passionate about it. Sure. Um, and then in terms of what led me here, I think I, I had, as you can tell, a really great experience in philanthropy coming from, you know, first working within smaller nonprofits myself and then moving over to the donor side where um, I was essentially providing... Uh, Philanthropic funding to nonprofits, including some of the ones that I had previously worked for. Sure. And I think I saw probably, you know, I guess around 2015 and looking at um, some of the migration crises that were going on Mm -hmm. and different ways that actors were trying to solve them and seeing that there was actually huge potential to combine philanthropic investments with more traditional. Investments found in the private sector, um, mm-hmm. utilizing financial tools that uh, were somewhat new to me but very familiar to fund managers elsewhere sure and just seeing that that could potentially lead to a greater impact than exclusively using philanthropic dollars
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, so that really got me uh, to start thinking about ways that I could enhance my skill set and have essentially both sides of the coin available to me to draw on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Because I, again, had this nonprofit skill set, very much focused on social impact and is what I'm still passionate about. But um, felt that I needed some of the harder financial skills that I hadn't picked up in my liberal arts studies uh, to date. (laughs) So that, I guess, is what ultimately prompted me to think about getting an MBA. And um, I thought an MBA, you know, I initially was very turned off by the acronym of a master's in business administration, it doesn't really uh, light me up the way it might some people, but I, I came to learn that was actually more of a degree in leadership and management and really identifying the driving forces that um, make you the type of enterprising leader that you'd like to be. Mm. Um, and already a few weeks in, I'm certainly learning the hard skills that I came here for, but it's just, it's, So much more than that, it's more of a personal leadership development journey, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, which is overwhelming at times, (laughs) but I think really, really important for, for everyone to go through.
0: Sure. Very nice, and I, I suppose we'll we'll go into and dig into some of those uh, those learnings, I guess, in in the next section. But uh, yeah, some really nice messages there, I think. And I, I suppose Virginia, you sort of mentioned where or how you got here and the reason for getting here, but maybe some of the highlights in uh, your career over the last little while.
1: Well, it's a it's a it's a good question actually, and the question I ask myself regularly is is well um you have been within sead for a number of years would you like to remain within sead would you like to um consider other type of careers would you like to be a recruiter for a company and um w- and i always come back to this idea of um what do i like and what i like to do is meeting people mm. um listening to you isabel is is just um so inspiring so in interesting and mm. you feel okay there is this happening somewhere in the world mm. um how can you get to know um the all the different opportunities there are in the world all the different type of um thinking or uh all the cultures in outside of India. i don't think it's it's uh It's possible, Mm. maybe it is, Mm. but at least here what keeps me motivated and what keeps me every day is that there is a different story happening in the admissions office. Mm. Um, Be somebody who was supposed to come in the next January intake and suddenly realizes that she um she's pregnant and she wants to come next year mm. or um or um somebody calling and saying i've been denied can i know more and then you discuss with the person you learn from the person and this is become every day is different every mm. hour is different Sure. and this is so diverse that it keeps me and and the team actually um um in, in this, in similar roles, uh, in the admissions office for, for, uh, a long time, because it's not just me. The, the team has been with Insean for, um, for a long time as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. We saw the opening of Singapore. Um, uh, we saw the opening of Abu Dhabi. We're looking for the facilities in, in, uh, San Francisco. Exactly. Yeah. And so many different um, adventures um, that we, now we are looking at the MIM yes. opening the master in management yeah. and, and my team will be uh, taking care of that as well. Yeah. So, so that's exciting.
0: Yeah. And as you said, there's so many different stories and people yes. coming through. I mean, uh, mm. yeah just hearing the, the, the few stories we've had on the podcast, there's an amazing amount of yeah. diversity and that's something we'll touch on yeah. a bit later as well. But yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, the stories that come through and, I guess we can lead on to the next question if if you if want to talk about it, but uh, yeah, it's just tell us something about your career that nobody or not many people know about. Uh, let's start with Isabel. Uh, maybe you've got something there.
2: Yes, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what no one knows. And I, I guess I'll just mention my uh, past secret career passion um, <laughs> that started when I began Studying Arabic and university, um, which is that I've basically always wanted to be in the CIA. And even from a young age, playing SPY was my favorite
0: game. <laughs> Literally a um, sacred career. <laughs>
2: yes. And then when Homeland came out, I mean, it was a lost cause. Yeah, I was determined course. to be Carrie. Um, so yes, I never actually got recruited to the CIA, which if you're out there listening, CIA, I'm a little bit offended.
0: Yeah.
2: Quite a few people in my Arabic class did get recruited and I just, I could never figure out why, why they wouldn't want me to be a spy with them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I thought I'm, you know, pretty discreet, sneaky. I'm wearing all black right now. Um, (laughs) So yes, I guess I'd go with that.
0: (laughs) Nice. I like it. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. Well we'll keep an eye on that, but we probably won't know if you ever Maybe make it. Maybe it's a cover, you
2: know? Yeah, I, I could I actually you
0: are. be in the yes. CIA right now. Yeah, and very nice. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep an eye out then.
1: Yeah. I'm hundred percent sure I would never be a spy and and not a good spy at, at all. Or <laughs> <Where> are you?
0: <laughs> yeah, another yeah. cover.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Another cover. <laughs> 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 Anything from um, you, Virginie? Well something that about my career I'm not sure there is nothing um that is not already on linkedin and <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah um though if if um i ask myself um what else i could have done and what i like is is um likely to be um dealing dealing with animals um anything maybe not a vet but um I believe in in um, in the fact that we are human beings. We are kind of all animals, and we <laughs> sometimes behave like animals. Yeah, so of course. Studying anthropology or this sort of thing. Sure. Um, and um, the animality of of humans is something that is of interest mm-hmm. uh, to me. Um, our side of this um, and um, the. Probably, wildlife in general um, is is something that attracts me a lot, and that could have could have been an option um, at some point in my in my career.
0: Okay, so moving on to the next section about uh, the programs, particularly and you know education and and, and careers, uh, I, I guess. You know, INSEAD is, is very famous for its diversity and, and we've already sort of touched on that topic. Um, and Isabel, you sort of mentioned that, uh, you know, you had a different background and, and different uh, sort of path to getting towards the MBA and it wasn't something that initially attracted you. So um, we're talking about non-traditional business backgrounds. Can you tell us about how career diversity has um brought positive benefits. I mean, you're a couple of weeks into the program, so you've you've no doubt had a few group projects, but how's that diversity sort of infused into the learnings and your group interactions and your colleagues that, you know, you're going through with the program at the same time?
2: Sure. So I guess, first of all, how INSEAD actually defines and measures diversity is a really interesting question to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be more nuanced than Uh, originally meets the eye. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, I think this year is the first year that each of our four sections, our classes, split into different sections. And then within that, um, smaller study groups, uh, each section has two diversity and inclusion representatives. Mm -hmm. And I decided to throw my hat in for the role um, and see what happens. And my classmates selected me. (laughs) So now I'm looking at um, some of the broader diversity and inclusion Uh, questions and issues within our class and within our section and one of them definitely is the point that you raise Mm -hmm. about careers and backgrounds and uh, I suppose what we each bring and contribute and it's only been a few weeks in but I think we've had more than a few group (laughs) projects Um, and it's been a great opportunity to um, I think allow each of us to understand where our skill sets lie and what skills we might have that perhaps previously we didn't view as unique or useful in any way, but in this new context are. Um, that's definitely been the case for me when it comes to things like negotiation or writing diplomatic emails or mm-hmm. just parts of my job that were very much considered everyday for most people at OSF. And here um, might be a little bit more unique. Um, and similarly, my classmates have you know very advanced hard skill sets that I'm looking to develop, and there's already such an exchange going on within my study group, so that's been super positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just lastly, when it comes to class discussions, the amount of diversity that exists in our career backgrounds is really the driving force. Um, making us challenge our assumptions and ask questions that we perhaps otherwise wouldn't have because, um, you know, not everyone is coming to the discussion with the same sort of given beliefs or Mm. understandings about a topic. So you really, um, you look at things in very different ways. And that, I think, is the whole benefit of being in this melting pot as you describe it, Mm. classroom.
0: Yep. Very nice. And I guess sort of Virginia, the I mean, the MBA program is not just for business backgrounds, I guess. I mean, obviously, uh, we touched on earlier that, you know, that's the master of business administration. So you naturally think it's for, for business people. But for the listeners out there that sort of think, oh, you know, maybe it's not for me or I'd like to be involved in business, but how do I go about it? what can our listeners sort of expect and what sort of profiles are we looking for Mm. for the for the MBA in particular
1: Mm -mm. I think Isabel, you raised two very valid points the first one with the business the the B in MBA (laughs) um, where um, businesses is is, can be a lot of things Mm. um, but but indeed the word MBA is a little bit could be scary or mm. what, what is behind that? Sure. Um, and, and to your point, um, the challenging, um, the challenges you experience when you are in this group setting where you have so many, um, different ways of looking at the world or do- looking at the ideas and the environment. So it's, it's challenging your thinking is, is what we are, hoping to have in when we build a class. Mm -hmm. So um, hence, people may think, oh, it's a business call. I I don't see the need or why would I apply or will I be admitted? Mm -hmm. And we keep saying, we need your profile. We need you. We we need your viewpoints. Your
0: Your, your uniqueness and differences. Exactly. Sure.
1: Because if we build a class that is... um, already made up, or kind of only made up with the same type of profiles, then the discussion is not as rich. interesting, yeah, as rich. Sure. Yeah. Um, so when we, um, when we really um, uh, do all the, the, the recruitment event, and when we um, read applications, we feel, okay, what is this person gonna, going to bring to the classroom discussions?
0: that's unique i guess
1: that's unique sure. so we're, we're not thinking oh this person we need to eliminate because sure. of that or that mm. we're more looking at how can we help this person get in because we want to have her or his perspective sure in the class nice okay
0: and what does non-traditional background what does that mean to the inseada missions team it's uh, the focus of the episode today uh, Non-traditional background. What is a non-traditional background?
1: Well, one thing that we we um, we a word that we use in the in the admissions office is uh, we we call the non-traditional background the poets, <laughs> ah. um, because they are people who will bring this def- different flavor. Sure. Um, and um, in this category, you can have people who have worked in the media industry sure um people who have um uh worked in in as lawyers or um or like you or people who have it's it's not necessarily in the work environment um, but it could be also with the passion that you have pursued sure so um we had people who um competed in international tournaments for oh, example in sure. tennis right um or swimming it's um it's these competitions bring resilience they bring um um team spirit sure. they bring um they bring experiences that we feel would be valued um so it's it's not by non-traditional it's not just work mm. but it's also um outside sure. so you may be working in a finance company or a multinational or in consulting but you you still have this unique Um, achievements outside that makes you non-traditional background for us
0: sure okay very nice one of the things i love most uh, about being at insead is is an email we receive generally about this time of year where virginia sends out an email to all the all the staff members or at least of the degrees programs and it it sort of highlights some of the different backgrounds or the non-traditional backgrounds, and the unique backgrounds that have come through and, and are joining this year's uh, program. I, I really look forward to it every year, and it hasn't come this year, yeah. but, uh, I'm still <laughs> oh. waiting eagerly. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, to yeah exactly. And, and can, can you sort of fill us in in some of the, the people or, you know, yeah. or maybe the cases that are, you, you're looking to maybe include in this year's email or, or previous uh, cohorts yeah. because, yeah, there's some amazing stories through there.
1: So, and, Isabel, you will be fe- featured. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> just this, made my link <laughs> in, in, in this email. So the idea here with this email from the admissions team is really to, um, to showcase the diversity of the backgrounds we have because we, we are extremely lucky. We work, um, um, in the admissions office. So we get to know these people, you know, to, to get, to understand and, and, um, read the essays and, and read the application forms, but people who work at INSEAD in other capacities, Mm. in other roles, but are still very important to us. So even people who work at the restaurant, people who work, um, even the assistant and the faculty, they might not know who is in the class Mm. and the type of rich profiles we have. Mm. So um, I've started this a few years ago, sending an email around saying, um, showcasing some of the great achievements we have Mm. Um, so obviously that's confidential in terms of names but it is um, uh, showing um, that you have worked with the refugee for example uh, and your willingness to to understand um, what the philanthropic dollars um, um, could how they could be um, it
0: better, better like used a, yep.
1: um how can you go and and pitch for to get more for example and this sort of thing so this story is um is it's fascinating is, is one of the the fascinating stories we have sure. um in in, the, in this class as well there maybe you you have some other examples uh people people who really um went outside the um their comfort zone sure um and and the traditional path um regardless of what it is um but beyond um, and achieved great things beyond what they could um have imagined in their childhood so sure. this is really what we are sharing in this uh in this email
0: yeah And and I mean, off the top of my head, some of of the backgrounds, it was like athletes that have achieved great things or one, and you mentioned before, like sports personalities and stuff that have have gone on to achieve different things. Yes. Artists and art is is quite a common one that comes up.
1: We had this lady from Madagascar who was um, helping create business in her country. Mm. Um, And um, so we felt that was really interesting because she was bringing – well, to to the poor and people who were not able to start a business otherwise, right? Okay. Um, so this sort of experiences, uh,
0: yeah, and part of the the rich diversity that comes through the program. So. I'll keep an eye out for that email that I hope arrives in my inbox in the yeah, near future. I think, because yes, so, yes. yeah, as I said, it's it's a lovely uh, snapshot of the business we, we have. We
1: had a few opera singers and pianists concertists, oh, nice. and, and um, music plays an important part as well. For uh, sure, people who who have had previous careers. We had the um, horse breeder, um, okay. and and then. She decided to go for um, for business studies after having uh, worked for her um, breeding company. Yeah, okay. Um, breeding, yes, family business, and okay. then and then she worked for PepsiCola after that. All so. oh, right,
0: complete change. Yeah, complete change. Yeah, right. Uh, let's head back to Isabel and uh, what sort of motivated you to make the career choices you've made up until this point? Um, was there a particular moment, or you know that? That uh, light bulb moment, almost that you thought, oh, yeah, actually, that's what I want to do. You mentioned before it was something you thought, wow, that's not for me. Or <laughs> was was there a particular moment in time? And can you place where that moment in time was?
2: Um, I think you know I, I've had a few moments in time like that, but there. I think it's normal to always have, at least at this stage from talking to my classmates, um, some moments of doubt where suddenly you wonder if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing or if you want to be doing this path that you're somehow on. But I guess going back to our our poet reference, I... (laughs) have tried to take a leaf from Robert Frost's book as cliche as it may be of taking the road less traveled and just trying to, when faced with decisions about either taking a specific job or whether or not to go all in on a specific experience, um, always trying to force myself to do that perhaps uncomfortable, uh, thing. And, Mm -hmm. um, Each time it's challenging and it doesn't come easily. But I think, as I mentioned earlier, when I look back on those decisions, I'm so incredibly glad that I made them. Um, And I guess for me, one of the decisions that sticks out to your question is um, when I actually decided to move back to New York from Jordan and um, I had as I said at my dream job in Jordan and it was a really difficult decision, but my family was back in New York and I just, I had personal reasons drawing me uh, back to the U S and I thought, you know, I'll apply for some jobs if I find the perfect thing um, I'll make the move. And I got an offer from um, OSF in New York. Mm -hmm. And then I also got an offer from uh, what was at that point, uh, my dream job an organization that I'd long fantasized about working for that was human rights focused. I'll leave the name out. But um, it was, you know, essentially doing human rights reporting on emergencies and crisis situations. I would have traveled to places like Bangladesh and Iraqi Kurdistan and just, you know, done things that I'd always dreamed about. And naturally, it was an incredibly challenging position to be in and you know to make that decision but i felt that um had i gone with that role it would have been similar to a role that many people before me had had and many after me would have and the role at OSF was a new one and offered me a chance to shape it and be more enterprising in my work and i'd had such a great experience with OSF so I stuck with it and um, it ultimately set me on a much more unique path than I think I would have been on had I gone with the role that, you know, many people had applied for and had. Mm -hmm. So I guess trying to choose the less uh, cookie cutter approach is my guiding principle
1: so far. Nice.
0: <laughs>
1: which is a very good piece of advice and, yeah. and that leads me to the uh the idea that when the admissions office feel very disappointed where when we hear canned answers and the best the best advice we can give to applicants is, is not try to put yourself in our shoes and wonder, okay, they are a business school, what they would like what would they like to hear from me? Mm-hmm. Um that's that's exactly the, the contrary. We really want to meet the individual. And um when i talk to people on the road and i uh, hear very interesting stories and you read the essay and you feel well this is a completely different person this mm-hmm. is this is the essays are dry and they they don't bring much like like you said following a traditional path but that's but in fact when you when you have interactions with the person there are some interesting things about everyone so mm-hmm. what we really want to see in the essays is is the person behind and the weaknesses that we we discussed before mm-hmm. because if you stick to what what should be um written in the, in, a, in a perfect in say, a perfect business school essay then it's very unlikely that it will convince the admissions committee yes even and because of the um, the fact that we have such a big diversity, we do see essays that can be a little bit clumsy or it can be their English grammatical mistakes. I have an accent. I do mistakes in English because that's not my native language. And only 20% of the class will have English as their native language. Mm-hmm. So everyone here has, has some sort of accent. Sure. And we're we. We're we're fine with that in the application form as well. We want to see how you can express your, your ideas in English, obviously, but we are happy to be convinced by a, an essay which has some grammatical mistakes but brings values, mm-hmm. uh, brings an, an, an idea of, of who is the person behind the essays, right? Sure. So that's my best advice. <laughs> wow. Well, you
0: sort of, that was my next question actually. I was gonna say our listeners would be disappointed <laughs> if I, I didn't ask for some advice, but uh, I think we can stick with that because yeah, that's that's sound advice. Uh but Hopefully if uh, listeners are out there sort of wanting to at least look into the MBA or or considering it that mm. you know, it's it's about the uniqueness that you bring and, and what makes you different as a person. So yeah. Uh, yeah. and and contributing to, to group activities and all sorts exactly. of things in different ways, in your yeah. your own unique ways. Yeah. Nice. Exactly.
2: I think if I could just add on the side um, I've heard that many many ncad applicants only apply to NSEAD. That was wasn't the case for me, but- I will say um, it's the only application that I actually uh, really enjoyed doing. Right. You know, people, all of the online blogs are just talking about how many essays are involved in the application. But I personally found that the questions were uh, done in such a way that the application actually allowed me to uh, have my true self come across. And it was really nice to have Mm. the space to do that and be able to say like, this is who I am in a holistic way. Mm. And um, it just, it made me feel much more genuine about Mm. what I was sharing Mm. rather than perhaps some other applications Mm. where you have one essay question to somehow convey Mm. everything about who you are. Mm. Um, So I would say, you know, and also in terms of advice, look at those questions. And if you feel like, okay, I could tell a friend my answer to this in a conversation Mm. over coffee, uh, that's great, and that's what yeah. you should. That's very do. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it
0: true. rings true for not just the MBA, but all a lot of the NCI programs true. that have applications, isn't it, Virginia? That I mean, the, the application process is is part of the journey. I think you know, it it's, is. it's part of that's very true. Putting yourself down on that paper and, yes. and understanding why you're wanting to do the program and and what you contribute and yeah. what's unique about yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly true um, for EMBA for um, the Master in Finance. Yeah, and, and Master, master of change in, in yeah, and, and management and the meme in the future. And, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Because the personality
0: is is key for us. Our final section will give you the ability to ask our future guests career and leadership questions. Head to i n s e dot a d forward slash i t k eight where you can ask your own questions or see other listeners' questions and upvote them. We will then ask some of the top-ranking questions in our next episode. The platform is open for the first two weeks of every month, and the earlier you vote, the more likely your question is to be upvoted by our other listeners. So we'll finish up with the final quickfire questions. And... I guess the first question I commonly ask and like to ask uh, our guests is what advice would you give your 20-year-old self and try and place where you were uh, when you were 20 or around when you were 20? Uh, Let's start with uh, Isabel.
2: Uh, Sure. So so much advice to give a 20-year-old Isabel. Um, I think I would say broadly it would be to have broadened my interests a bit more and also to be honest with myself about what I perhaps didn't want to do or didn't like about what I was doing um, in my studies and my career at the time. Um, When I was 20, I was, I guess, a sophomore in college. And um, that was, I think, the time that I moved to Tel Aviv to work for um, the African Refugee Development Center in southern Tel Aviv. And uh, it was the first time I'd moved someplace alone and was working with mostly Eritrean um, women coming through Sinai to escape political conflict and um, had a number of physical and mental health issues that the center was trying to work on. And um, it was incredibly challenging time, I think. Um, And it taught me a lot. And it also, I think, uh, forced me to um, really be honest with myself about the types of nonprofit work that I would perhaps want to go into afterwards. And um, I think I I had such a concentrated, um, intense focus at such an early age that it would have perhaps been beneficial to as I said earlier, broaden that and um, try to think more holistically about uh,
1: where that work fit in. Sure. Yeah.
0: Very nice. Sound advice. Virginie, what would you tell your Uh, 20-year-old self?
1: Definitely. Something a little bit similar, but um, I was living in Paris, commuting from Fontainebleau to Paris and that was um, with my group of friends and not looking beyond that. Sure. And um, and Today I felt so um, enriched by the experiences that have happened after. I feel what, that that was a missed opportunity to discover even at twenty because you do things at twenty that you you don't do after, sure. right? So I I would um, recommend myself to to try more and do more things um, outside of my comfort zone that I have
0: sure. at the
1: time. Mm.
0: Very nice. Okay. Next question is: uh, What is the worst career advice you see or hear being dispensed in your world, particularly? Let's start mm. with Virginie.
1: Mm. Um, that's funny because I had um, I had a discussion with a friend recently who's considering moving um, jobs and, and changing countries at the same time and uh, and sector. So he will, he will be um. Um, changing the triple dimensions ah. but the but the, he i think he was kind of um keeping that for within a, a comfortable um situation obviously he has a family sure and um i was encouraging him encouraging him to listen to his gut feelings um and trying to uh, see whether him to so what is your heart telling you sure. um, to do.
0: Um, so that was a very interesting discussion. Mm, yes. And so listening to his, his head rather than his heart or the other way around? He
1: was listening to his head okay. and it was reasonable.
0: Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. And then, okay. Very and lovely. I
1: felt that wasn't, or at least that wasn't for me a good advice, but sure. maybe he, for him that works. but
0: Yeah. For me, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Isabel?
2: Yes, I guess uh, what I was going to say actually folds in with that, which is, um, you know, I've been told or I have felt to not to go for it, um, not to apply for that more challenging role or make that move, whatever it is. And I think specifically for women, um, and this is a bit of a generalization, but it's definitely true for me. Mm. I will only apply for things where I think that I have the majority or all of the qualifications that are listed on a specific job advert. And that has really limited me in the past. And um, I guess early on in my career, through various circumstances, I was forced to actually uh, step up and apply for, you know, stretch roles, more senior positions. And once I was actually doing them, I realized, you know, oh my goodness, I've not nearly tapped into my capacity and abilities and i've totally got this and um i guess having that uh confidence is not something that comes naturally all the time sure um so really forcing yourself to always go for it and you know be open to failure because mm. also building resilience to failure i think is what makes a lot of successful yeah. Uh, leaders successful over time sure
1: and go with the option even if not all the boxes are ticked because um like if you if you look at the application form, um, you you feel okay. I have that. I have that. But then the GMAT may not be seven hundred. It's not because we have an average of seven ten that we are expecting everyone to have seven ten, mm-hmm. right? So so when we have conversations with people, they say, oh, I have that number of years of work experience, and I have done this, and we feel okay. This is very interesting. Go for it, and they they go they come back and they say, but I have this six. 50 GMAT or this um, 670 GMAT, and I'm, I, can, I can't apply. Mm. We said, Why can't you? Mm. <laughs> yes, you can. Mm. This, the, the GMAT is just one part of the application form. Sure. And it's certainly not the most
0: important one. Mm. When we talk about different backgrounds and experiences as we've been today, how would you describe or what best describes the type of person that makes a great business leader? let's start with isabel because you sort of touched on it just before
2: sure so um i stand by what i said before of having resilience to failure i think something that sticks out in my mind is when um i met our uh new president open society foundations for the first time and he was talking about you know when things don't go according to plan and quoted mike tyson uh, the famous fighter yeah. said, so, "You know, everyone has a plan until you punch them in the face." Yeah, <laughs> and, um, famous
0: quote, yep. <laughs> yes.
2: yeah. So I think um, you know, having the ability to roll with the punches mm. sure. to continue with that metaphor <laughs> yep. and um, adjust accordingly is really important. Um, and also, just you know, be compassionate and be willing to try things mm. um, that might conflict with each other mm. and. Again, something that you know working closely um with George Soros's team and following his philosophy of believing in a plurality of mm. ideas and mm. just asking me to make grants to perhaps organizations or projects that were fundamentally opposing each other in their strategies. sure, I thought that was a great lesson mm. and really important because you're seeing which ideas work, you're testing methods yep. um and that I think takes courage and leadership to see what works and be willing to have it and encourage work.
0: it. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 allowing nice.
2: your team to do that mm. without fear of uh,
1: repercussions from failure. No, yep. mm. Very nice. Mm. Right. Mm. That's a good point. And I think, um, linked to this is, is the fact that that means people have a lot of interests mm. and they're, they may not be just focusing on one, one dimension. Um, whether it's just studying or just um uh, working working long hours and no interest outside of that is is and that for us brings the idea that um future leaders that um graduate from the school from insead need to have this well-rounded type of personality um, um and showing interest in others um and the we feel that the contribution to the society um, will be larger, hopefully, thanks to to this. And we have started the um, Hofmann Institute of, of Business. Yes, a force um, for good and force for good. Yep, exactly. um, the dean is is. Um, Touring the world at the moment to um, to for this campaign, a business mm. as a force for good, and we truly believe in the fact that we, if when we have these leaders um, who have interest in many different dimensions, um, and and outside their own person as well, just egocentric, sure. um, then that could potentially bring bring wealth Great. in the world.
0: Mm. Very good. Well that's sort of the end of our time unfortunately uh as you said we probably could talk all day on these type of topics so (laughs) So, but and you've got your your exams coming up soon i think you yes
2: only a few weeks (laughs) i already have three
0: exams. exactly so best of luck with them (laughs) Um, but more importantly best of luck with your future careers and thanks for joining us thank you very much thank you for listening to this episode of in the know if you want to know more about today's career development and leadership topics, head online to www.inthenow.insead.edu forward podcast. To discover more about any of INSEAD's degree programs, head to www.insead.edu.